hello, and welcome to. That's a, that's a positive start to this episode. I'm Gary Horde, and this, this is the NWA, a podcast celebrating the past, present, the future, the legacy, history, tradition, everything, all of it, of one of the greatest pro wrestling entities of all time. We're talking about the National Wrestling Alliance, and you have stumbled into another rewatch. This time, we're discussing the NWA's pop-up event called New Year's Clash. This occurred on January 5th, 2019. I am here. Always, I'm not alone on these rewatches. And this time, I brought back a crew that attended All In with me. Not like physically attended All In. Like We rewatched it together. And I'm talking about Miles Griffin. Oh, hello. <laughs> I, was, I just thought you would want to I say something. I thought you were going to introduce both of us. You've been saying shit this whole time. <laughs> I thought you were going to introduce both of us, like, you know, and Fred Sims. And Fred Sims. I actually don't leave. That's why he didn't introduce me. Is I He makes me sleep under the table now until I have something worthwhile to say. Fred is just always just here. member of the family now. Yeah. Well, the member of the family you keep changing. Well, like Harry and the Hendersons. Yeah, like you don't give him a key to the house, right. but like you're going to invite him over for the picnic, but ask him to leave first. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, fellas, we just got done watching New Year's Clash. And according to Wikipedia, just to set this up for everybody, the New Year's Clash event was the first of a series of shows called NWA Pop-Up Events presented and scripted by the National Wrestling Alliance. The NWA pop-up event concept was first announced in December 2018, with New Year's Clash being held as a co-promoted event with Anthony Mayweather's, Anthony Mayweather, wrestling under the ring name Crimson, his tried-and-true wrestling based in Tennessee, crediting them with building a good reputation locally. During a press conference in January 2019, NWA president Billy Corgan explained the pop-up concept as being able to work, show up anywhere in the world that appreciates moments. Partnering with local promotions and that the New Year's Clash was just the first of a series of shows that the NWA will be working on. Okay. So that was worded really weird. So anyway, what I've decided to do is because we're trying to catch up before that studio show launches, so I think it's really important that we just catch up on these major events in the NWA's history. We kind of build up through 10 pounds of gold. Between the last show that, Fred, you were on, uh, with Todd and Cat, we covered NWA 70. This was pretty decently near that event. Since then, you had a uh, Nick Aldis-Jack Swagger feud, or Jack Hager. If you were following along on YouTube, 10 Pounds of Gold, they had a 10 Pounds of Gold about him, and then Nick Aldis and he feuded. Nick Aldis ended up winning that comp- contest. And so, basically, the only other buildup you had for this event was the fact that David Arquette and Josephus started randomly sending each other videos Which online. I love. You love, love the David it. Arquette stuff. Yeah, yeah, I think it's super fun. And it's, it's, it's for me, having that kind of silly element to it, it brings back like the memories I had when I was a kid when there were there was you know certain wrestlers that you watched for the real contest, but there was stuff the uh, the kind of sideshow stuff that was really fun as well. I get that from the Arquette Josephus stuff, and I know David Arquette gets a lot of hate for being David Arquette, but 
I really don't see the problem with him at all. I'm with you. I, I think David Arquette seems like a guy who's super into it, but we'll get more into him in just a minute. This event was non-televised at the time. Like You couldn't order this on Fight TV or Pay-Per-View or anything like that. So the only way you will have seen this event is if you bought the DVD from the NWA shop on uh, their eBay store that they have. My original intention was to kind of skip through this one and get straight to the Crockett Cup, but this one does kind of set up the Crockett Cup a little bit, and I actually had requests from you guys on Instagram and Twitter to review this event, so I made Miles and Fred come sit with me today, and we have watched it, and this is our review. You look like you were about to say something. I can't tell. Miles, <laughs> it's like Russian roulette every time Miles <laughs> leans into the microphone. I just, I just never know what he's going to do. He's unpredictable. I'm the wild card of the group. All right. So, fellas, we'll just start with... Wild the, card. We'll start with the beginning and work our way through. So, I'm not going to lie. Um, the first the first match was... Um, Max Stardom versus, with Selena De La Renta versus Jeremiah Plunkett. I, I thought there were elements of the match that were that were really fun. I liked, you know, the get up that he, uh, Max Stardom came in. Like it was, a, it was a nice, you know, setup. But I felt that the match itself was a little sloppy. Okay. Um, they they had some some cool bouts uh, throughout the match, but there there was a lot of um, missed hits and a lot of like it felt a little more choreographed than it should have been. And for for the for the warm match for me it. It didn't get me as excited. Like I, th- I think they're both solid wrestlers, and it was not necessarily a bad match, but it didn't, it didn't really jazz me a- as far as the the event goes. Fred, how did you feel about it? I think when you're looking at it, you have to consider that this really was a uh, tried and true event. So it was a tried and true crowd. Um, they took two guys that people that paid attention to tried and true probably would have known and and recognized and to his credit uh max stardom was was trying to get the crowd into it i mean he was doing a lot absolutely was he um, was trying to get to to get people to to be kind of amped up but i don't know how much the fact that it was labeled an nwo or nwa sorry pop-up um kind of led to them being you know kind of quiet on two guys that i have never heard of before um you know so for me it was an introduction to these guys um i think what miles says is is pretty spot on i mean they missed some stuff there was some stuff that wasn't as crisp as you'd like it to be but it was two local area wrestlers it's not like they're you know national guys right Right. now they've probably still got some things they're working on yeah um and it it could have been a better opener, but I think they were really paying homage to the crowd there by giving them a, this is strictly tried and true to start us off. And then you know, NWA yeah. will come in where they need to. Yeah. I kind of get the feeling it's like to warm them up. You know, it's just like that opening act kind of deal. Max. Stardom, I think, look- well, I think if had it been a pay-per-view, this is, this wouldn't have been your opening match. I think this would have been like a, yeah, the buy-in type deal where you're watching this ahead of time. Yeah. And then the pay-per-view starts afterwards. I can agree that was the, that was the vibe I got from this match as well. I, I feel like the announcers at one point or the commentator said that Plunkett, uh, Jeremiah Plunkett was a, uh, trainer at tried and true actually too. Like he was oh, a, a trainer. I thought you said trader when you were telling me that. No, no, no. Like, no a like, trainer. What? Yeah. yeah so no, they mentioned that and they mentioned it for someone else that'll be in later. Um, so they had a couple of guys, and I think that so it may have been a case of 
you know, putting some guys out there, uh, you put someone out with a trainer, obviously it's going to give you the opportunity to kind of get some work and maybe he was missing a little work. So they're like, all right, let's start off with. Yeah, it almost seemed like maybe maybe this is a good way to introduce the world or a little bit bigger stage to like max stardom even maybe like let's show this guy off a little bit like he's working his way in and, and that seemed to be the intention with this match it was definitely meant to to build up stardom as someone who has a potential to go further in the industry and because I mean, he came out with the very flamboyant costume he had uh selena with him like it was a whole act and even his his attempts to get the crowd into it he was clearly Someone who is a- attempting to make the next step, you know, whether it be NWA or TNA or something else, he's he's looking to go higher, you know. Yeah, Selena De Lorena was hot. The uh, <laughs> I just had to throw that in there. It's important to mention. So uh, Max Stardom ends up hitting a uh, code breaker kind of thing off the top rope, and Max Stardom wins. Next match, you get the War Kings, Crimson and Jack Stain, along with Road Warrior Animal. And they take on Caleb Conley and Jay Bradley in a tag team match that is a qualifying match for the 2019 Crockett Cup. Just to jump in and go ahead and uh, kind of establish it. War Kings dispatch Conley and Bradley with a off with their heads, which is their finisher. It leads to Bradley going on a rant where he says that Conley's mom chose wrong when she chose life. I made sure to <laughs> note that. That line is so great. And uh, afterwards, Bram or slash Tom Latimer. Uh, comes out and starts up with Bradley, which leads to, I, I guess, a second match in this little thing. And Latimer ends up winning with a devil driver. So I definitely want to say that I really love the choice of having this little mini match as kind of a piece of the narrative. Like there was no introduction, like, you know, no, this was just a part of the story, their story. And you got this kind of small match and it worked at, for me, it got me really engaged with what was going on between them. But I think the flow of the show is really nice with that. I want. I would love to see more of that in in any wrestling company. Like I think that's a really really cool tool to use. Could be. I felt like this was another instance of. Uh, I mean, the War Kings we've seen on NWA seventy, but I mean, other than that, I mean, it almost still felt a little bit another like tried and true deal. But that match that that match got me amped because I mean Crimson is amazing that dude has charisma he's very kinetic and he he gets you pumped up i should say yeah crimson has obviously been on the nwa with his uh feud with josephus and nick aldis uh jack stain's actually a former nwa world heavyweight champion they they do have connections besides just nwa 70 fred do you have anything you'd like to add to this i think uh most of anything i appreciate um Crimson being willing to put himself up second on the card. I mean, you think about it, that the NWA is really using tried and true to host this pop-up event. And you've got the owner of the company, you know, or the guy running the company, you know, not pushing for that top billing or, you know, second billing, you know, he's willing to come out, kind of do the work, get the, and again, like you said, it seems very like a tried and true event and then followed up by uh, Brom coming out and he's the other trainer that they mentioned. So a lot of that is still, giving the crowd the guys they're familiar with Mm -hmm. and, you know, being able to do that and, and kind of just not having so big an ego as the guy running it and being one of the, the bigger indie tag teams on the scene, you know, being like, no, we have to lead into all this in storm. No, they're perfectly fine suited right where they were. It wasn't going to be a competitive match 
Um, that is just the War Kings fighting anybody. You yeah. know they're going to be in the Crockett Cup. Like they're, you know, right. Conley and Bradley had no shot of winning no. that match. That's that's not for them. Um, but I, I did like the highlight of Bradley, even though he lost the follow up match to to Brahm. It was it was very interesting. I I mentioned and and Miles mentioned it as well. Like it, you you just don't see that normally when you have the guy returning because I think they mentioned it was a return for Brahm. Mm-hmm. That guy will come out. He'll beat up the guy who's running his mouth, and then he'll leave, and that's just it. And instead of doing that same old thing, we got an actual wrestling match out of it. Bradley got to do some things. Brom wins off some nice offense and it highlights them in a different way than just a normal, boring, you know, returning guy kicks the crap out of, you know, whoever's in there. I think it just adds a cool narrative element to the show and to, and to any show, especially if you're doing a weekly show or something like that, like this kind of makes it more of a flowing narrative than just having cards. And I think that's, you don't always have to do that, but I think that is a cool trick to have. And just to uh, go back a little bit to the, you know, the, the prior match, you know, I didn't think that the war workings workings uh, were going to lose the match, but at the same time, it was still a very entertaining match. I was really impressed with the the tried and true guys. These guys should be superstars. Like the uh, Crimson is just a really fun wrestler to watch, and right. that got me really pumped up for the rest of the show because I'm like, all right, these guys are hitting their marks, but they're also just doing really really solid work, and it was fun. Like Crimson, Crimson's the guy that gets me like pumped up because he just gets super, super into it, and I have a blast watching him. Yeah, I agree. Crimson's Crimson's quite good. Jax also has this like energy about him that he tries to like, yeah, looks like a monster. All right, so the next up, you had your women's championship match: Jazz versus Allie for the NWA Women's Championship. This match ends with uh, Jazz is kind of wailing on Allie, but Allie gets in the ropes and the referee is trying to pull off Jazz and Jazz just punches the ref in the face, calls him a piece of shit. Then Allie uh, ends up punching her. Jazz just shoots everybody a bird and says the F word, which is generally, as I established in our NWA 70 show, that's my worry with her all the time. Like She just looks like she's steadily going to drop an F-bomb at any moment. You don't know, and so, but I disqualify. Uh, but Jazz gets disqualified, and uh, so technically, Allie wins, but no title change here, just because it's disqualification. Yeah, and this this kind of sets up one of my. It's not just this match. This happens a lot in WWE and even AEW, where it's a, a kind of an uneven match. I, ex- I expected Allie to win because it was so uneven. Like, I mean, Jazz is just tearing her apart the entire match. It's. Which I think they're doing because, you know, one, Jazz is a legendary wrestler. Like, of course she is. And Allie is kind of, at, at this time, still, you know, an indie up-and-comer. Like, I, I like Allie a lot. She was an Impact. She's now an AEW. And I was a little disappointed in this match. It wasn't, like, it was fun for a little bit to see, like, just the old veteran, like, get some good licks in. But the match itself was not that compelling. And it bummed me out because I, I do like Jazz and I'm a, I'm a big fan of Allie. So this one kind of kind of bummed me out a little bit. Didn't do it for you, Fred. So, in a way, I guess I kind of agree with what Miles is saying, but for a different reason. And so, one of the things with doing the rewatches that is a little bit difficult is we're talking about something that happened nine months ago, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't take into account any changes that may have occurred in the product since then. So, everything I'm saying is, obviously, as we're caught up to New Year's Clash, I feel like the NWA is doing a disservice to their women's matches. I agree. um, 
because when you look at the last two big ones you've seen, Jazz and Alley Impact and then um, Jazz fighting at NWA 70, both of them ended with weird interaction with the referee. They had the, the Earl Hebner thing where it kind of cost her the, the three count and then right, yeah. she beat up Penelope Ford a little bit more and then slapped her in the STF. And that seemed like a very weird ending. And then in this one, you know, they had that build up where for no reason the ref was being extra aggressive and breaking the counts like even before he would hit five most times when you see that the ref gets to five he kind of counts a couple of times and then the you know the the villain is gonna then break up and be like okay we're good but i mean he was being ultra aggressive in like pulling jazz off and i don't know if that's to build on jazz having made the claim that she wants to fight the guys to go for the belt so here's a ref will show that jazz can dominate this guy as well or what they were doing but it it just feels like they're doing a disservice to the women in general when it could have just been let Jazz and Allie have their thing. It was a good, it was fun. There were some instances where both of them had the upper hand and then kind of wasted time, which, you know. Yeah, that, it, that's that's what kind of bummed me out. Like, it was just, it, you know, the, so it, it wasn't the best. It was still very solid. Um, I just, I, I'm not sure what, at this point in time, like I said, what they're trying to do with that, where they're they're kind of not giving Jazz, like, clean wins or clean losses you know even if she would have lost by disqualification have her disqualified for being ultra violent towards Allie, not the referee like there's no reason for that interaction to yeah me. yeah so almost like they're treading water basically or something right. with the women's division and i don't know why that is because i just touch on what fred was saying like if you want to establish jazz as this like you know mega heel wild card who just can't be contained by just the matches that she's she's been given like show that just don't have her like wail out on the ref like we see that all the time so that doesn't that doesn't make her special you know right and by not giving her clear wins and losses it doesn't add any stakes to it for me like if she doesn't have a clear win or loss like well then it narratively why would she you know go up it, it's it's you're, you're, you're like like he said it, you're tr- it's treading water it's it's uh, they they keep hanging on the fact that Jazz has apparently had that title for uh, it's like eight hundred and something odd days at this point. Yeah, you 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 kind of like to see her get some it just it legit just seems, wins. Uh, it's it seems like they uh they're scared of taking any risk with that story because they want to keep her her the number of days high. But at the same time, it doesn't it's not going to matter if you're not doing anything interesting. Right. So the next match is uh, we're back into the uh, one more tried and true. This is almost like a tried and true main event because then everything's kind of NWA after. But Crazy Steve is uh, going for the tried and true championship against Samuel Shaw. Shaw's painting a pick, poses it in the ring. Um, Just to run through real quick. I mean, a, a lot of blood out of Steve during this match. Uh, they they established that Shaw's had this championship for 409 days. But anyway, it, it looks like it's a no DQ, no count out, which I don't know that they even said at first. But they they made a change in the match. Oh, um, really? Yeah. So it didn't start as no DQ, no count out. They but they made that change uh, as a little bit into the match going on. Gotcha. Rosemary comes out, interferes, and uh, when Shaw turns around, they, he gets hit with the mist and uh, hit in the head with a paint with the painting, and a Death Valley driver on a bunch of tacks. Crazy Steve wins and uh, takes the tried and true championship. This is a really fun match. But also, uh, I believe they had the stipulation that Crazy Steve winning this 
means that um, oh, yes. Shaw, Shaw is, is now no at, longer a part of tried and, tried and True. That is correct. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, it was a Loser Leaves Tried and True, uh, which we I think we discussed a bit in NWA 70, that episode. But Samuel Shaw is now wrestling in NXT as Dexter Loomis, which they probably kind of knew was coming up. They're like, all right, well, we'll write this in and this will be this will be fun. And I'm sure be- that was all part of it. Yeah, um, I thought this match was a lot of fun. Knew nothing about either of these guys. And they were both super dynamic. I will say uh, Crazy Steve's intro was overly long and the lead up to the match was overly long. I think Fred mentioned like, what is this WrestleMania? Like, yeah, yeah. Fred did mention the it, WrestleMania entrances. It, and, and I agree with him because it just it felt like it took forever. It was like almost it almost felt like it was like 10 to 15 minutes to get to the actual match. So that that deflated a little of my momentum. But the actual match itself was great. I And I thought that both of them had this this a cool like quirk about them. I love the the artist angle and that he was starting out on the stage with like the little artist apron and everything that was super fun uh crazy steve like i mean i hate his name i think it's dumb it's just simple and silly and that's that, it's, it's okay there's nothing wrong with that but he was he was, he was very kinetic uh on, on the stage yeah but it, it's crazy steve with two z's i don't <laughs> I just didn't. I didn't know if that would that change your opinion. It, it, like, oh, you know oh, what? Actually, oh, now I'm on board. Oh, right? a second Z? That's crazy. Yeah, but here's the thing: the second Z, it's actually in Steve. Figure that out. Oh, <laughs> no, Fred's kidding. The second Z is actually silent. The the <laughs> the match did follow what I was just talking about, where you have like you have one person wailing on the other for for a good portion of the match, and then the turn happens and. That person comes up and wins the, wins the match. This one was done very well. I, I I was I was kind of disappointed at first, but I was like, the more I thought about it, I was like, no, this is actually a really really good match. And the the tacks they're a fun addition. Um, they look very painful. I would never do that. You couldn't pay me. <laughs> yeah, it de- it definitely looks like it hurts. I will say, I the mean, camera's focused on his back, and you're like those things are in. It feels like this. This pay-per-view is is almost, well, up until the next match, I mean, it's like a progressive build of the matches you would come to see, like pay to see. I mean, the War Kings obviously are really good, but it was all but a squash match by those guys. But this match is like a good, long contest between two guys. Well, it that really introduces me to tried and true. Like, I don't know that much about them myself. So, like, I got this guy who looks like he's a 1920s barber. And because he's got that mustache and that weird like little fade and stuff like he's got that look. And I friend Todd had him in like brown pants and the uh, old style boxer gimmick. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah, Samuel Shaw is the 1920s pugilist of my dreams is essentially what it is. I but I dug it. I, I dug everything about this match. And, and and that got that got me way more excited about tried and true stuff than um, what did we decide last time he would he would ride down to the ring in the uh, giant front wheeled. Yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. Fred, any other thoughts on this? Um, w- I was happy to see Shaw again. I mean, we got um, in the build-up. You know, if you go back and do the YouTube rewatches, you got to see him in a rematch against Willie Mack. Um, and now, so you've seen him twice from like seventy to that rematch, and you know, kind of that build. And then um, now, all of a sudden, I'm finding out he's the tried and true heavyweight champion, and it would have <laughs> yeah. been nice to know that. Yeah, right. time. Never was, established was a that cool, before. Cool little tidbit, but um, you know, besides that, I enjoy watching him work. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a little disappointed that he lost, but 
thinking about it, it makes more sense. He lost because he's not with them anymore. Um, you know, and it, it's one of those things where if I'd have been watching this at the time and I don't have the prior knowledge of he's now in NXT, I, I probably would have been disappointed because I like what he's presenting. He's a big monster of a guy, but he moves really well. He, he does like, you don't often see a guy that size doing super kicks as a finisher. You know, right, that's, yeah. it, 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 he's got a unique move set. He's got a unique look. I kind of like him. Um, we, we got to see crazy Steve at 70 as well. That's right. Getting squashed by the war Kings, um, yeah. with Shannon Moore. Um, I was happy to see him do a little more work than just get the crap kicked out of him. Um, he's got talent. I could see why he would be in that longstanding feud with Shaw for the belt. Uh, he's definitely that hardcore brand of wrestler though. I mean, he fought most of, um, most of the match bleeding like crazy. Right. Um, but it was, it was very definitely a, a championship worthy match. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know that that's what you would get from like a WWE, but that's, it was definitely a match that you felt was for a title, had something behind it. Yeah. You know? I agree. The people seem to be into it, but like you said uh, earlier, it's a tried and true crowd. Samuel Shaw, it just occurred to me while I was watching this that he, he did commentary on the empty arena match with Josephus and uh, Tim Storm. Back really? In the day. He was there for that. At the Impact Arena. Yeah, at the Impact Arena. He- I also, when I heard his voice for that, I think he's, when I was watching one of the YouTube videos and it was, he was talking before the national championship, I think it occurred to me he was the narrator for a lot of those early NWA 10 Pounds of Gold videos, I think. Oh. Which is weird. Anyway. That's a fun little tie-in. Yeah, somebody out there uh, probably already knew all this. Sorry, I just discovered it, but whatever. Let's move on to the next match. Willie Mack defeats Mad Dog Matt Cross and retains the NWA National Championship. I mean, the main thing to say about this one, uh, the notes that I made were two really badass wrestlers. Stunner, Willie Mack wins. Just a solid title match. This was just a solid match between two guys who are incredibly athletic, they look great. Their their moves are all usually on point. Uh, I think Matt Cross was was he at uh, all in? He was. He was in the opener against MJ. I remember being really impressed with with him at that. And no, he he was a blast. And um, I thought um, Willie looked fantastic. And he moves so fast for a guy his size. Like I mean, talk about guys that you wouldn't expect pull off some of those moves. Like he. He flies. Yeah, um, we we talked a little bit in NWA seventy about his his build up in there. He he actually my favorite quote of his from his video was that he says, you know, like I come in there and you think I'm going to move like a dump truck. And yeah, I do my thing. Yeah, <laughs> I, yet- I I totally dig that. And also, it was his birthday, so you know, I'm glad yeah. he got a little present. Happy birthday, Willie! So this is um. Yet more exposure to Willie Mack and yet another time that he steals the show. Yeah. Um, clearly, uh, to take away nothing from everybody else, best match that we watched today. We And we went on and on about him during NWA 70. There's just something special about him in the ring. And again, um, Matt Cross did a phenomenal job. He was, you know, made it seem like he had the opportunity to win that belt multiple times definitely put a strong uh showing forward but i mean willie mack is just talented yeah he's got everything you want in today's wrestler and part of it is that surprise package and that you know the the things that you see him do and just it it 
transcends kind of that like normal i don't know like the normal charisma that you would get out of a guy he steps even above that like he is a 100 percent bona fide superstar I, I, I was literally about to say the same thing i was like this guy's a superstar like he's already got that and just everything about him is amazing like i i had not seen him wrestle before and immediately i knew this guy is special yeah and we- it was a good match, too. It was a really just a solid bout. I, I don't think I've seen him yet have a match that I didn't think was good. Um, if you dig back through the NWA uh, YouTube archives, uh, he, he does challenge Cody for the NWA championship at one Which point. Is- fantastic they have a great match and i honestly i I would imagine so i think that match with him and cody is probably what was the deciding factor in giving him the not not giving him but naming him or having him win the national title yeah um because it it is a a hundred percent a coming out party it's such a good match yeah he's he's really really good and then yeah he he ends up at nwa 70 winning that national title then has the defense against sam shaw that's in those youtube archives and uh he has another one at um championship wrestling of hollywood that's you know a very good solid match and that's when you're saying like you don't think you've seen him have anything bad and that goes even into those smaller tapings for championship wrestling of hollywood he wherever he's at he just provides entertainment it's super quality and he's the first one that i've seen in one of these nwa events like since the first time i came on the show with uh, the youtube rewatch i understood why nick aldis had the title why he had the 10 pounds of gold he had the charisma he had the moves he had everything about it willie's the first person i've seen that i think could be a contender for someone who can hold it and hold people's attention as a spokesperson for the nwa yeah, I, I think they see something in Willie, definitely. That's what, like Fred said, that's why he he got the national title uh, when they decided to bring it back. So uh, there's still more to come from Willie Mack. Moving on, next to last match is David Arquette with his special partner. That sounds like a weird thing. <laughs> just, with his, his surprise tag team partner, I guess is what I'm looking for. Uh, Tim Storm, and they defeat the Kingdom of Josephus, which is Josephus and the Spiritual Advisor. It was a hair versus hair match. It starts off, Josephus is in the ring, and you don't know that David Arquette even has a partner. And he tells Arquette to go ahead and sit down. Let's just go ahead and shave your head. So he puts the chair down. And Arquette, I do love, he takes the mic and he calls, he refers to Josephus only as Josephiah. And that's a little weird. And uh, and he says, I'm a lot better of an actor than you think I am, because I actually do have a partner. And he calls Tim Storm out, which was nice to see. Nice to see good old Tim Storm. Which is um, kind of a super weird um, reveal, considering at the beginning of the show... One of the announcers talked about David Arquette actually said he had a partner the night before on Twitter. So, oh, yeah, that's like, a good point. what acting did you do, David? <laughs> <laughs> you you had already given away the ending to that's, the story. That's a really solid point, Fred. Uh, <laughs> and Joseph Josephiah apparently doesn't follow along on Twitter. Yeah, he's he's. I mean, he'll follow you on Instagram. He'll comment on Instagram, right? Twitter? No, that's not for him. No good, but uh, so solid little match there, a little, little sexy moment between uh, David Arquette and the spiritual advisor where he uh, bends her back like he's going to kiss her, but rubs her head. But anyway, it all ends when uh, Tim Storm tosses David Arquette off the top ropes onto Josephus and uh, gets the pin. One, two, three. 
And we get to see uh, Billy Corgan and his bald head come in and laugh a lot as Josephus gets his hair cut in the middle of the ring. Um, you can also go on the YouTube and there's a whole video backstage where he has to sit down and let them finish shaving him. Yeah, this this was just the, the silly fun that I, I enjoy. I like Josephus. I've liked him since the first time I saw him. Do you like him now that he is bald? I don't care. And clean cut. Hair doesn't make the man. All right. But I, I and I enjoyed his rivalry with Tim Storm, so that was a fun callback for me, and it it gives that match a little weight for people who have followed NWA. And yeah, a lot of people you know shit on David Arquette because like they blame him for the fall of WCW, which he wasn't. And I think he's fun. Like I think it's fun to have these kind of goofy matches. And the thing is, you can tell that David Arquette truly likes wrestling, yeah. and it's a lot of fun. Like getting to see him do it with a very fun wrestler. Like I love Josephus. He's so much fun to, to watch, and he plays that character so well that I absolutely had a great time with this match. I didn't. I didn't dislike the match. I think the the concept is fun. Like Miles said, it you know it's just kind of a an interesting break between you know what uh, Willie Mack and Matt Cross do, and then I believe it's going to lead us into the, the main event with, with Aldous and Storm. So just kind of like a nice little breakup in, in things. It, it doesn't get too serious uh, unless you're looking at it from Josephus' standpoint of having all your hair cut off. I mean, they even went after the beard. So, I mean, they yeah. literally yeah. all they his meant hair. business. Um, Baby smooth, Josephus. I don't know that I like the angle with his spiritual advisor being the tag partner because they didn't do anything with that really. Um, She was just kind of there and then sometimes felt in the way, which I don't know that that's necessarily what they want to do with her. Um, I, I, and it may just be my feelings on at this point in time, NWA not really knowing kind of what they're doing with the women. They've got, you know, these other people that they're moving the story on and they're just kind of stuck um, in, in that. So this really ended up kind of being more like a handicap match than anything. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, again, I talking about at this point, like if I were looking at it and I were Josephus and I fully expect him to, you know, have some issues with that and, and talk about how, you know, it, you know, there was an inequity because he, you know, had to fight on his own. Um, that's just what I would come to expect from the Josephus we know and love. But, you know, in terms of everything, like Miles said, the wrap up with Tim Storm was really fun. Um, you know, kind of having that in there so that they could kind of, you know, tie that little bow and then maybe they can move in different directions. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I agree about Arquette. You know, I, I've always kind of felt like when I was younger and watched it, I thought it was dumb that he was a WCW champion. But, you know, I'm older now and I can look back and had I had a level of fame like David Arquette and had the opportunity to have something like that where I could have gone into my favorite wrestling organization and been gifted the championship belt for a little bit like that's probably something I would have jumped at in a heart I'd jump at it right now you know (laughs) you know like if the the NWA created some kind of weird like once upon a time I had beef with Lagana belt and like you know (laughs) I got to represent like that would be fantastic because growing up a fan like that would have been a dream of mine I'm also the size of a professional wrestler David Arquette is not so growing up when he watched he would have never had that opportunity they didn't have a lot of wrestlers his size it wasn't like you see now right Um, so he wouldn't have had that opportunity except through his fame and so it's hard to hold all of that past stuff against him when really it's just a guy who loves the 
the yeah. world of wrestling. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I don't think, I, in, on top of what you're saying, I don't think that he would have taken it in the anticipation that he would screw anything up. I think that he would have probably thought, like, you know, and been helped to likely be convinced that this is good for business. This is a cool story we're going to tell. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a guy with fame that transcends where wrestling was at even at the time. I mean, he's still a movie star, and movie star is always going to outweigh wrestling star. Otherwise, The Rock would still be a full-time wrestler. Right. um, So at that point in time, you know, he was in a ton of stuff. Um, People, maybe more of a household name than he is now. Um, And it would have made sense that putting the belt on him gets attention from other places you're not normally getting it from. Right, right. All right. Well, uh, that will move us into the last match, the main event. Nick Aldis, along with Camille, ends up defeating James Storm and retaining the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship, that 10 pounds of gold, sweet Charlotte, whatever you want to call it. Nick Aldis is still your champ after this match, and uh, this match was a weird match. Yeah, it has a weird ending. I don't know how I felt about it. We rewound it just to watch See it why again. we were confused. <laughs> I mean, obviously, guy, both guys are talented. Um, it's part of a larger story that they're going to try to tell. I mean, I didn't expect them that they were going to lay it all on the line right here in this matchup. But so I guess the the way to go would be to just say, so both guys end up on the top rope in the corner. They're fighting. They both fall out. They're both about to get in. They decide to run at each other. They double clothesline each other. They're both knocked out. The ref starts counting. And maybe James Storm was about to get in the ring. But in either case... Yeah, unless uh, he popped up and hit like a really quick roll, that was going to be a double count out. Yeah, he, he wasn't close enough. It looked like a double count out, and Billy Corgan stops the ref and says, no, it's not going to end that way, and we are going to have uh, no count out, no disqualification matchup. James Storm seems pissed, pissed yeah. yeah, at Billy Corgan for this, and we were trying to figure out, did we miss something? We even well, rewound to watch, because like, why would James Storm be upset and then Billy he Corgan's- keeps saying stuff to people, and I know they usually would they even in uh, on TV they wouldn't have those characters mic'd, but you might have a better camera that can pick up some of what the, is being said because right watching it at home, no idea what's going on, like still don't know what's going on in these conversations. Yeah, and I wanted to touch uh, echo kind of what Fred was saying about how they don't seem to know what to do with some of their women because Camille's there and then sent away. Yeah, and it's just like what? Because I was asking, like, what what is she doing? You know, like I, I get the whole like her getting rid of Brandy Rhodes when she would interfere in matches. That makes sense to me. Here, she's just window dressing. Well, uh, I mean, the, the one time that she does get involved, actually, it still is not helpful. So James Storm is pissed off about this thing, and he ends up, you know, super kicking Nick Aldis, getting in the ring, and Aldis I think kicks out, and James Storm rolls outside and grabs his bottle of beer and it's like he's gonna walk out for some reason and camille stands in front of him or like you know he's jawed at billy and camille comes in and stands in front of him is looking at like the beer bottle like she wants to snatch the beer bottle away from him like she doesn't know what he's uh, gonna do with it the and impression then, i got was he was taking the beer bottle to hit nick aldis with maybe and that's Cam- why i think she was looking at the beer bottle 
Camille gets in the way, and Billy Corgan throws Camille out. Yeah, it's it's just weird. Yeah, it's a whole weird thing. Listen, I love the NWA, but this whole thing's odd. And so uh, Storm basically makes his way back into the ring, and at this point he runs towards Nick. Nick tries to boot him. He catches it. But anyway, long story short, he rolls him up. Like Nick basically gets the roll-up in the pin and the win, but they kind of imply that Nick Aldis isn't even happy about the match. Yeah, Nick Aldis is upset the the way it went down, and that James Storm would be upset because Aldis had time to recover. It's a it's a muddled bit of business there. All that ending of the matchup. Yeah, and and it does it does seem to address something that I said that I wanted to see more of is I wanted to see Billy Corgan get involved and be that manager character. But here he's more like the Joker. Like it's just chaos for chaos's sake. Like <laughs> Some people it do- just want to watch the world burn. Well, yeah, because it, it doesn't. Like it seems like oh, okay, it looks like he's you know behind Nick Aldis. But then he's also getting in Nick Aldis's way. Like why is he booting Camille? Like wh- what is going on? Like I'm, maybe there's a follow up video where he addresses this. But I was like, what is going on with the end of this match? Because by and large, I mean the match itself, the wrestling was good. I thought I thought both wrestlers looked pretty solid. For a main event match, it went on the, the the length I expected it to go, and then the ending was just weird. But I mean, otherwise, I thought it was a an interesting main event. Like, I mean, it was it was it was a good bout. I'll, I'll start by saying uh, I love James Storm. I had missed seeing James Storm wrestle uh, mainly because I stopped watching Impact forever ago, like right. when beer money was still a thing. Stopped watching Impact. Oh, wow. yeah. um, so I, I I really did miss watching James Storm wrestle. He's super talented. He's obviously done really well for himself on the indie circuit since you know. He, and uh, from what I understand, there's some good things to come with the relationship with the NWA moving forward. Um, for him, which will be fun in, in future rewatches. Like Miles, I thought the, the match up to a point was really solid. Um, looking back, this is the, I talked about having that issue with the way things ended with, um, uh, Jazz and everything. This is kind of the second weird ending for a Nick Aldis championship match, too. Although, um, in the rewatches, it made more sense that match with Cody. Um, you know, it looked like Cody was trying to loosen the boot to avoid the Kingsland Cloverleaf and gotcha. it caught him on the roll up, you know, afterwards. So what made it seem like a weird ending was just kind of Nick knowing where he was at and, and working um, well. But in this one, it's just a weird ending. And I think that again, looking at everything, it, there's probably a, a, certain story that they're trying to tell uh if you watch the press conference as part of the youtube rewatch um billy very specifically mentions that there was some bad blood between him and james storm when they were both tna affiliated and um okay Okay. so one of the things that he mentioned in the press conference is he was like i know i'm taking a chance having storm in this because it runs the risk of storm being the champion and i don't want that but you know if you're looking at for the best talent and the best matches, this is what you're going to do. So, you know, he makes specific mention of that. And it's kind of all like in a joking way, like Storm laughs it off and he laughs it off. So what I think they were attempting to do is play off of that. Yeah, but it's very weird because what Billy was doing is in no way affecting James Storm negatively. I think it may have been a situation because one of the things and Miles mentioned, you wish the the camera had been able to better pick up what they were saying. One of the things you are able to pick up is when he starts yelling at him, Billy does tell him, I'm doing this to help you. Yeah. And so it it is that scenario where he doesn't want to see it end in a double count out. He wants a winner. He wants someone to have that. 
having James Storm get upset about it seems very weird because you're really just saving your opportunity to actually win the title. You, at a double count out, or even if you rolled in, you're not walking out of there with the 10 pounds of gold. So you need this. You need that to be stopped and have it declared no count outs. So instead of focusing on, you know, it seems like Billy's trying to screw you, which I guess is the, the stance he took, and it builds off of that bad blood, just get back in there and start wrestling. And then, yeah, the whole thing with, you know, him continuing to egg it on, and then the Camille interaction... If you're building this as part of a, a bigger story and, and you continue down the road, maybe I could see it. So he takes the beer bottle, he kind of does the walk around, and then he walks towards Billy. Um, and at that point, you're wondering, okay, is he going to lash out with the beer bottle? I mean, it's James Storm. This is right up his alley. Mm-hmm. And Camille steps in the way. So my thought is, moving forward, that what you could tell is clearly Billy and Nick and Camille all are kind of in cahoots to keep James Storm from winning the title because now here she is stepping in front of him to protect him and then billy kicks her away from ringside and that shoots that in the foot so (laughs) right yeah Yeah, it's just just, i I don't know what's happening here and like like you like you said and like i said before like if we kind of knew what was being said if we could at least get glean something from these moments that we we can't hear anything it might make sense yeah um and i know this wasn't a pay-per-view event you know this was an in-house event and so I'm sure the people there knew what was going on. You know, we have this DVD, and that's more for posterity, which which is, I think, my only real complaint with the show is is some of that production in the camera work and um, the mics were all not plugged into where the camera was picking them up, even when you were announcing things. That, that was a little bit of a problem for me. But because of that, I don't think it's too bad of a deal. Right. Watching it as we are, yes, that's a problem. But this was not a yeah, like a pay per view event, like you said at the top of the show. Like this is, this was a special event, so it's cool that we even have this DVD. I can kind of forgive the weirdness because this was never meant to be on television or on our TVs. I think it's it's mostly just to set up stuff that they'll be. I, I don't know, but set up stuff they'll be doing from here on out. It's been a little while uh, since I've watched past this on the Ten Pounds of Gold series and so on. So I can't remember exactly what it takes from this. Now, I I can say that fallout of this is that, Fred, you mentioned James Storm being back and you being happy about that. I think he's like full-time in WA now or like, you know, he's, cool. he's, he's, he's with them. Did they actually have bad blood or was that just story stuff? I do not no, I'm assuming not. I think it was, really, yeah, but. I think it was story because Billy was part of ownership or right, whatever yeah. management on TV. And yeah. then at the time, James Storm was the champ. And it was like this whole, you know, you're not able to control the cowboy. And he just kind of did what he wanted to do type deal. So, I, but they played it well into having him come in and challenge for the yeah. 10 pounds in of fact, gold. His, his kind of thing now is I think he actually refers to him presently as we record this. He refers to himself more as the outlaw James Storm right. now. And uh, he is with the NWA, but he very much makes it a part of his story right now that he thinks that the NWA does not want him there. And so he's making it more of his job to insert himself there. I like that. that. I think I think I think that's that's a cool that's a cool story. Yeah, I'm yeah. into that. So, um so it definitely does play off of that. It's just the muddled nature in which this match plays out. You're kind of like, I don't know how this fits that story yeah, exactly. I, there's probably a cleaner way to make it seem like Storm feels Billy was trying to screw him than the way they did it. Right. Um as a professional wrestler vying for a title 
there's no way you're ever going to be upset with anyone, even if it's your mortal enemy, giving you the opportunity to continue to win that title. Right. right. Like it just that doesn't make sense storyline wise. So I think there's probably a cleaner way they could have done that. And I don't know if it's the nature of it being a pop up, even though it was a very planned pop up, which seems to go against the idea of a pop up. <laughs> um, you know, like one of those situations where they were just like, OK, we're going to figure out how to kind of work this story in. And they just didn't do it as clean as they should have. Or, you know, it just on that particular one, it's a swing and a miss. And uh, that's going to happen yeah. every so often. Yeah, so uh, out of all these events so far, we've reviewed all in NWA 70, and now this one, I mean, I, for me, I think probably my least favorite of those, I would guess. Yeah, um, it's it's got some good stuff in there. Like, I'm, I mean, it's not like I disliked. I had a great time watching it. I had a great time watching it with you guys. But yeah, I mean, compared yes. to... compared it's to, still fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's still fun, but I mean, yeah, compared to something like all in, uh, like, again, this was not supposed to be televised, so... I can forgive it for some things because stuff that may have been in the moment when you were there worked in a way that doesn't work on, you know, DVD. So right. I, I can't I can't give them too much guff for that. But there was some stuff, um, you know, like I said early on, uh, that first match and the stuff that, that Fred mentioned with how uh, you know, they did the jazz and alley match. But th- there was also some really great wrestling. And so, yeah, I had a good time. Any final thoughts, Fred, you want to throw in? Yeah, I mean, I think... Overall, um, so I mentioned before, I don't really like comparing All In to the other stuff that we've seen. That's a good point, um, yeah. Because it's not really NWA at all. Right, You know, there's right. only the Aldis affiliation. Um, even though you see some of those guys come back and, and return for, you know, some of the other stuff. Right. Um, it, it's definitely not as good or clean as um, NWA 70, even though 70 had its own problems and everyone, you know, freely admits that. It, in terms of what it was, you know, it was definitely a, a tried and true production. And I don't think that they... You know, like NWA had issues with what they presented in NWA 70, and they're clearly not on the level of like an AEW, which is aspiring to be on the level of WWE as in terms of professional outlet. So, you know, it's these steps and TNT, you know, tried and true is a step below even what NWA is currently working with. Um, so despite that, I, I think, um, you know, it, it was still very fun obviously you know a lot of the matches were were pretty solid mainly like um like i said willie mack and and matt cross and then aldis and storm um if you're highlighting the nwa if your best two matches on the card are nwa matches that's what you're trying to do i think that moving forward it would have been disappointing to not see this end up on dvd or tv or something along those lines because if you're doing the rewatches like they made it a big deal. It, it's in like three or four that as the buildup, like, hey, we're doing this pop up event and it's New Year's Clash. And then to not really give anybody the opportunity unless you were there live to be able to see it. That's a good point. Yeah. Actually, I'm glad you mentioned that because I was watching at the time and would have bought it on pay-per-view had I had the opportunity. And now that you say that, I remember at the time being like, well, what the hell? Yeah. And yeah. I, I, I think, you know, <laughs> having that big buildup, you know, and, and again, I think that flies in the face of the the pop-up name this wasn't a pop-up you know when i think of like for me the other genre where you're going to mainly see pop-ups is restaurants um and when you do a a pop-up kitchen or or dining experience for the evening it's going to be a place that you know they that day they're putting out like a guerrilla marketing campaign and you're you're not really going to know what the menu is and you're going to go and you're going to experience it and you're going to like it or you're going to not 
this had build. This this was a pay per view that right. they didn't pay per view pay per view, <laughs> and it, it was just a little weird. I, I'm glad that we got to see it. Like I said, I would have been upset to not, and I guess they probably could have shown the matches on rewatches, you know, because I mean they do they do show some of the stuff from Arquette and Josephus in, in one of the things. Yeah, actually, um, now that I'm thinking about it, there is like a half hour video coming up on the YouTube like that that follows this, that, that kind of shows you, I, I think it literally is called What the Hell Happened yeah. or something. And so it's like a highlight package <laughs> um, of and, the event or something. So, I mean, yeah, you could have gotten that, but I still think it takes away from what, like, like you said, you were watching at the time along with it. And you would have spent the money. I mean, even if right. they, you know, were like, "Hey, give us twenty bucks." I think a lot of NWA fans who were watching at the time, and clearly at this point, after the success of All In, after the success of Seventy, you've got a crowd. You know, people are paying attention. They could have done that, and it probably would have helped tried and true a little bit um, to to have that. You know, to you know, people spending, you know, cut a deal with them. We're we're going to sell it at twenty bucks a piece. You know, whatever the cut breaks down, you get this portion, we get this portion, and everyone benefits. But, I, you know, just a missed opportunity. And even at this point, they were still new, you know. so Yeah, yeah that's true. Well, that's it for this coverage, I think, of the uh, NWA not pop-up event, New Year's Clash. We're going to be moving on next episode. This was just kind of like a little bonus episode since we were asked to cover it. So we did. But uh, the next event from the NWA, I think they bounce back. Very, very well from. So don't ever say we weren't ever honest because we, you know, I think we were all pretty honest about how we felt about this one. But uh, coming up is the Crockett Cup. And the Crockett Cup is one of my favorite shows of the year so far, if not my favorite show of the year. So that's going to be exciting to talk about. And uh, until then, Miles, tell folks where you can be found. Uh, you can meet, re- uh, reach me on Twitter at the more you nerd and you can also reach me on the Psychotronic Film Society's Discord. Yeah, as Old Town Road number one super fan. Still keeping that name. Yes, I am. All right, Fred. Uh, Twitter and Instagram at O'Reilly underscore Fred O R L Y underscore Fred. Uh, again, I'll keep telling y'all, stop following me. I don't provide any content. <laughs> I, I just retweet stuff from Gary and the Psychotronic Film Society. Other than that, I'm boring as hell. That's uh, why Gary makes me live underneath the table until I provide content worthwhile. We'll keep uh, presenting Fred until he starts providing content. <laughs> so, uh, as always, I am at Rock and Roll. Gary, all spelled out. You can find the show on all the social medias at the NWA Pod, including Facebook.com slash the NWA Pod. Uh, check out YouTube.com slash the NWA Pod for a list of all the playlists uh, for the YouTube rewatches and such. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for even being interactive with us and requesting this episode. I hope you enjoyed it, uh, even though this felt a little dirty as it's had to be. I don't think we we're negative, but the most negative I've been about anything involving the NWA. But uh, same. I've, yeah. I've, I've generally been very, very happy with the stuff. But I mean, like, like you said, you know, we're being honest. We're not just blowing smoke. Yeah, you That's can't it. improve if someone's not willing to highlight the areas that you need to improve. So. Correct. I mean, if you're not willing to tell them when you feel like they missed, you know, that's there. There's no way they can get better. That's exactly. right. All right. Well, until next time, thank you so much for listening. Ah!